all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. Okay. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is all bad things. Yeah, that might yeah, that was a that was a bit of a reach, that one there. Well, it'll it'll come into what did it sound like? It sounded like a ship. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There Maybe we go. it's a bit of a hint. Mm. Meh, 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 meh. Um follow us Insta Twitter, Facebook at all bad things pod, email us all bad things pod at gmail.com, join our Discord and our Facebook discussion. And welcome everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Is that our new, now 200 episodes in, we've refined our yes. opening patter <laughs> to include your welcome. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, we had super fun recording yes. our 200. Yes, we did. And thank you for, thank you again for everybody that, that uh, live streamed with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attended, participated, yeah. like it's a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we didn't really do any sort of postmortem because we on last week's episode because we just had the recording Mm -hmm. of the actual topic but um we hung out another i don't know a couple hours two hours at least yeah um we next time guys i promise (laughs) next time we'll ask the people in the time zones where it is the middle of the night to identify themselves and go first in the discussion (laughs) yes (laughs) because by the time we got like oh yeah it's 2 a.m here like i'm falling asleep (laughs) i've been falling asleep for a while but (laughs) It will go in order of time zones. Like I was falling asleep during the episode. Now I'm really falling asleep. No. <laughs> but it was it was so much fun to get. It to was talk a lot of everybody. fun. Yes. So much we will, fun. We, I, we will definitely do one of those. I again. think we need to. Yeah. It, it'll be. It's just enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool to do. It was really fun to get to put like faces and voices to yes, names it was. from people who we've interacted with in various capacities, and um, I can't believe like we spoke to like Lee and Abby for the mm-hmm. first time and Hannah and about, like I could just keep going on and I apologize if I haven't said your name because there's just so many people I'm like oh yeah it's yes. you it's you mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people's faces I recognize just from like their profile yes, pictures yeah uh-huh. I was the like oh I know face. that I was like oh I know that mm-hmm. person yep yep in um uh smart listener news uh Hannah shared her um one of her most recent PhD papers. Oh, very on our discussion nice. Group. An- an- another PhD? Do we well, have... no, I think it was another paper for the PhD. No, no, no. I'm I talking about wrong. another person with a PhD. <laughs> this Don't... is hand- the, well. I mean, so we. I do believe we have multiple listeners who are either students pursuing their PhD or our actual PhDs. But this is Hannah from Singapore, yeah, or living in Singapore, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't read it because I don't believe I'm smart enough to understand it. <laughs> but hopefully that's a compliment to Hannah instead of an yes. insult. <laughs> Doing very cool things our listeners are. So that was, it was... <laughs> Doing very cool things our listeners are. That's what it sounded... <laughs> so is that a Yoda-ism? <laughs> that sounded very Yoda. Of it's you. Yoda-ism. <laughs> I can't do Yoda's voice, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's funny. <laughs> um, but we had a really good there time. you are. <laughs> that's pretty good, I 
Um, but we really appreciate everybody who participated. And anybody who couldn't or didn't, like, we get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You didn't feel like taking four hours out of your evening or middle of the night or morning? Even my own mother forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, she had better plans. <laughs> no, she was, doing, she was doing something else. And she forgot while she was doing it. Is the text that I received. Gotcha. She's like, oops, sorry, forgot. <laughs> That's okay. She can see us anytime. Exactly. <laughs> so. We'll see you in a few days uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, we don't have very exciting brews tonight, but what you drinking? <laughs> the, the very exciting national local beer. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just got a blue moon. Sometimes when you go to Target, your options are They're like... Pretty limited. $12 six-pack or $9 Blue Moon. And I shouldn't dither over $3, but I do. Yeah. Especially after buying my $140 prescription medication. So. <laughs> um, affordable health care. Again, Yay. our, 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 our uh, international <laughs> listeners will be like, what? Yeah, like you paid for? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and that was under the Affordable Health Care Act that we have. You, you don't want to lose your plan, do you? Everybody loves their insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, anyway, um, you're using your bunch of jerks koozie. The I Kings am. are playing tonight, no? They are playing right now. They are up two to nothing Against over Chicago. Uh, Chicago. They have a chance to win the President's Trophy this year. Is that top in the league? That is, uh, you have the most points. Oh, yes. okay. Points are not, oh, wait, like points scored or points is in like that weird points system? Where yeah, you like get, the, your okay. win, win, loss, uh, over, overtime okay. loss. Yeah. I gotcha. But uh, it's something, it's a trophy that you don't necessarily want to win mm. because generally the president, the, the best regular season team is what it goes to. Okay. Record wise. Gotcha. Um, Nice. Sorry. <laughs> I was almost done with my first <laughs> when we started. But uh, well, very, because very rarely does the President's Trophy winner also go on win. to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, dear. So it's kind of like, yeah, we'll let somebody else win that, and we'll, I'd rather have the Stanley Cup. Yes, I can understand that. Not many people nobody remember waits, who, wins, who won yeah, the and nobody, President's Trophy. Yeah, and nobody waits in line for two hours to see the President's Trophy. Like, I can, like, that's I, like the easier, shorter line to decide. Yeah, that's just, oh, you what's that? The President's Trophy? Oh, yeah, you can stand, you can, you can take it home if you want. <laughs> yeah, you want to borrow it for a day? Yeah, nobody even knows what this is. <laughs> no one's going to miss it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, th- I mean, they are in the playoffs again for the third straight season. And I get my second dose in three days. Mm-hmm. And once that is fully kicked in, I'm definitely going to a playoff game. I will condone that. I'll be okay with that. Especially I, well, if you go with people. I know you would be going anyway. <laughs> especially if you go with people who are also vaccinated. Uh, which I think all of our, most of our friends are. Yeah. Or at least in the okay. beginning, or at least have had their first like dose. Like in the process yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, at this point, we're very lucky in North Carolina. Yes, everyone's are. eligible for it. Like yep. anyone can get it now. Um, like at this point they're like the momentum is going down too. So you can kind of walk in and get it at yeah. this point. Yeah. So. I don't think I'll have to wait very long for my second one. Yeah. Maybe not. I, I, I just mean like people don't like when I was getting it, it was early March. So it was still like, the problem was everyone who wanted to get it, wanted to get it yesterday, <laughs> you know? And, and now we're getting to all the vaccine hesitant people and then the horrible people. Which, yes, if that's you and you think that somehow the vaccine is a conspiracy, 
goodbye. <laughs> Leave your one-star review, misspell everything as you usually do, and we'll see on the flip side. Or maybe not, because you're the one not protecting yourself from a deadly virus. And that is called evolution. Bye-bye. I've also seen a lot of posts on social media about what if uh, Twitter and Facebook existed uh, during polio. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, anti-vaxxers during oh. during the poll? It wasn't necessarily an outbreak. Mm. The polio concern, we can certainly call it that. I mean, a lot yeah. of kids were... You know, that's... I gotta say, that is on my mind to do sure. coming up. yes. It's always been on the list, right? But yeah, like, it fits. I know so little about polio. Yeah, I don't know much about it either. It, cl- it has a vaccine, clearly. So yes. it's some sort of virus, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. This is so before our time, mm-hmm. really, which is great. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, polio was like done with way before we were even born, really. It was done before like a good my 20 parents years. were born. Probably around the time, I would think. Maybe a little before. I don't know that they got vac- had to even get vaccinated I against don't know. polio. My parents, I know my parents didn't get, like, there weren't vaccines for, like, measles, mumps, and rubella, because they got all those, because it wasn't available back then. Hmm. Um, when they were little, like, my mom's like, yeah, I remember getting measles, I remember getting mumps, I remember getting uh, German measles. All the fun and, things. Yeah. <laughs> and whooping cough and shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, oh, God, yeah, I'm not going to go on about the anti-vaxxers, because... Because. Because the world is round. <laughs> Um, While you take a sip of beer. Yes, indeed. So what doth we be talking about? So. Obviously, I have a feeling it's shipwreck. That's right. So we still have a few listener scripts left. We've got, like, as always, plane crashes are a hot topic. Mm -hmm. So we will be spreading them out. Mm -hmm. But we will get to them. Yes. Um, We've made it. We have made it a priority to to get through our listener listener scripts. scripts. Because you guys write them and. Yeah. And then we have we some, some listener scripts that are kind of like, and, and I appreciate this too. And just to be clear, I do really appreciate this. People are like, look, I didn't do a full-fledged script, but here's some here's good links or outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So those all need to flesh out. Um, and I'm frankly, I've, I've been terrible about, well, I mean, but it's also been tax season. But tax season, by the time this episode comes out, we're one week away from the extended deadline Fortunately, things are like much less pressure now um, and coming to an end, which is fantastic because this was yet another tax season that would not end. <laughs> um, so uh, so we will be getting to, to those. But the ones that are done, we do have them in our queue. Like I said, we're just trying not to do like 10 plane crashes in a row. Although I think we could do all plane crashes and everybody would be And everybody would be fine with it, yes. So this is a listener script submitted by Nicole. Very nice. Thank you, Nicole. Yes, and I had not heard about this uh, before, but uh, apparently I did. I looked up a couple little things because Nicole mentioned, like, um, you may want to look up this picture or whatever. Uh, and from what I can tell, this is known as the Canadian Titanic. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is the story of the SS Princess Sophia. Okay. I've never heard of it. Same. So apparently, and Nicole does mention this, Nicole says, Sophia, I believe, is pronounced with a long I. Apparently, that's the old British pronunciation. Sophia. Instead of Sophia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's written Sophia, like we would say, at least here now. Um, but I guess the 
eponymous Princess Sophia. It was actually pronounced Sophia. And some people do obviously pronounce their name that way, but... All right. Um, so we just, I, I, it sinks. That's all I can tell you because there's no traditional intro. We just hop right into all the background. Okay. So let's see what happens here. So in 1901, so this is mm-hmm. also going to be around the time of the Titanic, I guess. 11 years before. Well, that's, uh, this is not saying that this is when this happened. So. Okay. In 1901, the Canadian Pacific Railway launched a line of steamships to run along the southeastern uh, run along southeastern Alaska and the west coast of Canada in a section of water now known as the Inside Passage. The Inside Passage is heavily traveled by freighters and cruise ships alike and is often used to bypass the rougher conditions they may encounter in open water. Do you know the name of the very small body of water that separates Russia and Alaska. Oh man! Uh, dun, 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 dun. I know that Sarah Palin can see across it. <laughs> I only oh, ask because man. it occurred to me. I wouldn't. It, have... It's something pass, right? It's the Bering Strait. Bering Strait. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that's I, not what I was thinking of. Which, but... if I'm not mistaken, used to be a land bridge. It and was. That's how people that's... ended up in North America. Well, that's how people wound Migrated. up staying in North America and oh. being separated from people who were in Asia oh, and Europe. Oh, because then the Bering Strait yes. appeared uh, or whatever. On one of Neil deGrasse Tyson's interviews mm. on Joe Rogan, he thinks that that's like the biggest um, event in human history. Oh, is, wow. Is, is Columbus sailing across the ocean and reconnecting. Oh, okay. Uh <clears throat> People that were in North America and South America and people that were in Europe and Asia before 1492 didn't coexist. They were literally on separate places of the world. Yes, but it's, if if by, what did he call it, the greatest? Or what did he call it? He he said it was the greatest event in human history, I believe. Well, so here's the problem. It was also colonialization, so, or colonization, so. You know, make an omelet. You have to slaughter a few billion people. You have to slaughter. Yeah, you have to slaughter civilizations. Or several hundred million or whatever. Um, But but basically he goes into it. He doesn't think that ingenuity and things like that Mm. would have gotten to where it is without that happening. Fair enough. I mean, you know, there's something to be said for that. That that we could still be like, uh, you know, like a group of apes on one part of the world and a group of apes Mm -hmm. on another part of the world. I I get that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Joe Rogan, dead to me. Yeah, I don't really listen to him anymore. Anyone who is irresponsibly going to say what he said about about the COVID vaccine. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Not that he gives a shit. He's sitting in his, like, Texas palace with billions. He doesn't have to... Although he's looking rough these days, I gotta say. Something's going on with Rogan. With Jogan. He's just getting getting older. It happens. Yeah. It's too bad. I really liked him in news radio and his little rollerblades. He was cute. (laughs) All right. And I did watch Fear Factor. But <laughs> until they just, it just became gro- eat, let's eat gross things. But anyway. The gold rush of 1897 brought a multitude of white people to Alaska and Western Canada. Due to the location, ships were the only practical method of transport to and from the mining towns. And as most gold rushes go, not many got rich off mining. No. The lucrative work was in housing, feeding, and transporting mm-hmm. all the hopefuls. Yeah, that makes sense. So the princess. A lot, of, a lot of industries popped up around it. Yes, support in mm-hmm. uh, industries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like we when we were talking about prostitution. The Hoover, well, <laughs> big one. 
Yep. Um, Gambling. When, when we uh, talked about the Hoover Dam, mm-hmm. they created towns. Yes, they did. Around Specifically it. just for yeah. people who mm-hmm. worked on the dam. Mm-hmm. So the Princess Sophia was a coastal liner. That is, she was only licensed to travel within 50 nautical miles, which is 58 miles or 93 kilometers of the coastline. I've heard the term coastal liner, but I didn't realize that there was an actual, like, you can only get so far from shore with boats. That's interesting. Coastal liners were essential to life in Alaska as they carried both freights as well as people. Or freight as well as people. The ship was part of the Canadian Pacific Railway's large princess fleet. So I guess they're all named after princesses. The Princess Sophia was built in 1911. So that's right around the time of the Titanic, right? Because it was the, the main Titanic would have been voyage. would have been being built also in 1911. Yeah, because its maiden voyage was, so it was in a 1912. Yeah, of, pretty yeah. sure it was 1912. I think so. That's my thought. That's how much we know about one of the biggest disasters. And in also, you had history. to you had to remember at this time too. Canada is still a very young nation as Canada. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still pretty. That's why they have the princess and all. Right. Because it's, it's, it was it was controlled by the British right. for when did. Am I going to ask I, I you no, I, I, <laughs> a question I you won't know because I don't know? I honestly believe it was like post World War of our Civil War, like in the late oh, oh, 1860s, okay. I think. That that was when Canada, Canada became, became a, a sovereign oh, okay. nation, I think. When, so that's when Canada was completely free of the British Empire? I believe so. Okay. But a lot of the um, social stuff still. Really oh, it still stuff. exists today. Yeah. I mean, it, it still does. Yeah. Favor it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spelling, not least. And you so still much. have the, the French influence of Quebec. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, not to further digress, but I have a client who got a, a K1, which is a, anyway, nobody gives a shit what it is. It's a no. tax form, but it's from like a, basically a company she has a very, very, very small partnership share in. And they do business in Canada. So she got a Canadian K1 too. And I had to look up like some codes and shit, and the whole thing was half in English and half in French, and it was really confusing. So, <laughs> um, so if we're going to run away to Canada, I need to learn a lot about the forms because they you look just need different. to grow a mullet. That's all, <laughs> and learn how to ice skate. Yeah, that's yeah, those two <laughs> that's things. That's gonna be pretty important. Yeah. We already got you into hockey. We crossed that bridge. <laughs> The Princess Sophia was built in 1911 in Scotland at a cost of approximately $250,000. And Nicole said, I believe that was $250,000 in 1911 money. Yeah, I don't think you could build a ship now with that, which would be over $6.5 million today. And weighed 2,320 gross registered tons and 1,466 net tons. I don't know the difference between gross and net. That's me talking. (laughs) It's just heavy. It's a big, heavy coastal liner. She was complete with a 112-seat dining room and large windows designed for passengers to take in the scenery along the coast. Oh, that's true. That would be really Mm -hmm. pretty. Hot and cold running water, as well as wire. Yeah. As well as, well, okay, so Nicole said hot and cold water. I guess I added running. I shouldn't assume. It's it is 1911 after all. As well as wireless communications and electric lighting. Now that is like very contemporary for the time. They're very uh, technologically. It's, yes, it's starting to become. Yeah. Standard. Yeah, cuz at this point electricity has been around for about 25 30 years. Well, technically electricity has always been with us. I guess. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just think so. Well, lightning. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. 
She was initially built to burn coal, but upon arriving in British Columbia was converted to oil fuel, apparently to increase speed and efficiency. That makes sense, because otherwise you're just having to laden it down with coal to burn it. She was built specifically for the purpose... Well, I think you have to laden it down with oil. Pound for pound, which is lighter. I don't know. Uh, that's like the old... Never mind. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just wasting way too much time. She was... You're just nodding. She was built specifically for the purpose of transporting people in the Alaska, British Columbia region. Yeah, that's why there's a dining hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Well, a... and it's only going along the coast. Yeah. So it's, it's people transport. Yeah. yeah. She could carry 1,500 tons of freight and several hundred passengers. Well, I, I can already see why it's considered the Canadian Titanic. Mm. It has... It has all the it's it does it's not the same size obviously right and not but, not like the lap has, of luxury well, it's no I think, well fitted I, I think for the time this is the the lap of luxury uh-huh. I mean Fair enough. a dining room on a ship in 1911 like a, you know what I mean yeah it's uh, hot and cold water electricity that's this mm-hmm. is so yeah has all the similarities to the Titanic just, the only difference is you know. Titanic was the biggest ship ever built at the time. Mm. So, She was first launched on November 8th, 1911, and christened by the daughter of Arthur Piers, the manager of the CP Steamship Service. Her launch didn't kill anyone, so Princess Sophia won Edmund Fitzgerald 0. Or if you're morbid, Edmund, Edmund Fitzgerald won Princess Sophia 0. <laughs> Her main voyage began on June 7th, 1912, and was completed successfully. That's that's pr- and and then <laughs> Nicole says Princess Sophia one Titanic zero. I'll yeah, stop oh, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody actually made their maiden voyage. Was it? It was April nineteen twelve. No, I think so. Yeah, because April's so. disaster month. Mm-hmm. Like April is when I, I you know in the early days of our podcast I thought I was every April going to do like disaster month and we'd talk about I don't know this is a disaster podcast what would we do differently I don't know her main boy uh we already read that Captain Albert Adolphus Lindgren do you think he was Nordic or of some sort sailed her around Cape Horn having previously taken her sister ships Princess Adelaide and Princess May the same route once in Alaska, she made her run every two weeks from Victoria to Skagway, Alaska, until November 1914, when she and other ships in the fleet were temporarily taken out of service due to World War One. Okay, so this is post-Titanic. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah. For a period during the war, she and other Canadian Pacific Railway ships transported troops to Europe. So can, can you imagine, like, yeah. a, a... Well, but wait, also, this is a coastal liner. It's not supposed to... Sail far from the coast, so how is it getting troops? Well, I guess, but it's Canadian. I guess if it could be transporting people from, like, England to Germany or something, but they can't be transporting people from Canada to uh, Europe because... No, not on this ship. Because it's not a... It's just no. a coastal line. It's not, not an a, ocean I was liner. just going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably just taking them from uh, station to station. You know what I mean? Port to port, mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Could be more like little jaunts. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Nicole said, not sure when she went back into service in Alaska, but the Princess Sophia struck the United States Bureau of Fisheries patrol. Po- oh boy, patrol boat USFA Auklet when the latter ship was docked in Juneau, Alaska, on September twelfth, nineteen eighteen, causing damage to Auklet's deck house. I would imagine so. A big old liner. <laughs> 
Less than two months later, the Princess Sophia would be gone. Okay, so this is like late 1918 is when this all happens. Um, when I was a kid, I learned, uh, so Juneau, Alaska, mm-hmm. I learned a song about, like, to try and help kids memorize the capitals of all the states. I never learned it all the way through. But I do remember uh, to get the syllables to fit. I always thought for years it was Genoa, Alaska. So I called it Genoa. That's, that's not what it's called. It's Juneau. Thank God for the internet. Now. <laughs> As stated on Sea Hunters, Season 1, Episode 2, quote, This is a tale of a captain who rolled the dice against a stormy Alaskan sea and lost, taking his ship, his crew, and every one of his over 350 passengers to an early grave, end quote. So it sounds like nobody fucking survived. That's what I'm getting out of that as well. And also, or you do not want a captain people. to ever roll the dice no. on anything. Mm-mm. That was apparently the, the criticism of the captain of the Titanic. Like, he sped up in open water when he shouldn't have. Mm. But then it's also controversial on whether he made that call. Whatever. I've watched a lot of Titanic stuff. <laughs> you, you know what? You just need to do the research for it. Every slow night at work from now on... <laughs> When you just assume on your laptop. I mean, part of the reason we haven't done it is there's so much. That is your assignment. (laughs) Just do it. No, just do it because I don't want to. I'm not even interested. I don't necessarily want to either. No, so apparently neither of us want to. Now, 10 listeners are going to all do scripts, and I'm going to have to put them all together, like in 10 different colors. and That'll be your punishment for not liking the movie Titanic. No, it's going to be your punishment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it to you to do. (laughs) They'll just sit there. (laughs) <laughs> oh thanks no, oh geez you know that's not true i do the princess sophia began what would be her last voyage on october 23rd 1918 in skagway alaska what was intended to be a two-day journey to vancouver it's this little john her captain was 66 year old leonard Locke. with oh boy he, that's pretty old for back then especially right because that's like retirement age now i say it's kind of old now no, it's not, not really. You're, you're, you're getting there, yeah. No, the yeah. 60s are the new 50s. No. With 43-year-old Jeremiah Shaw as second in command, Locke had sailed around the world and he had decades of experience traveling this particular route. By 1918, hope of striking it rich in Alaska had mostly disappeared. You know, you don't think of the gold rush going all the way up to Alaska, but it's all the Makes same sense. coast. Yeah. So. The lack of assistance from governments of the United States and Canada contributed to many gold seekers wishing to return to the towns they had come from, and September and October always saw increased travel south, right after summer, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Some of this travel began uh, being those who had given up after one last season, and some being those who lived in Alaska in the spring and summer and traveled south for the winter, the Alaskan snowbirds, if you will. The fall of 1918 saw the largest number of folks who wanted to leave to date, and they had to get out before the channels froze and trapped them in Alaska all winter. Yeah, no, getting, no getting out in planes in 1918. A crowd pushed their way onto the Princess Sophia, with some passengers suspected to have snuck on board without a ticket, desperate to get out of Alaska. 
other, I feel like a lot of people probably were desperate to get out of Alaska at various points in human history. But other than dejected miners and the regular, that is not a slide. It's like, or not a, not to slag off Alaska. I'm it's sure not it's for, it's, it's not for either of us. I'd love to visit, but there's, there's in the summer, I would love to th- visit Alaska. There's no fucking way. I've Your never cousin lived has there. visited it and it looks yeah, beautiful. It looks gorgeous. Pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not living there. I don't think so. <laughs> no. And, and I like the cold, but I don't think I like it that much. Other than dejected miners and the regulars who wintered further south, among her passengers were Walter Harper, the first person to summit Denali. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. As well as 50 women and children, and young men intended to deploy to France. It's true, the World War One's still going on mm-hmm. at this point. What was it, uh, 1919, the next year it would end? Is that right? No, it ends in... Uh... 1919, the Treaty of... No, 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 <laughs> it's 1918. It did end in 1918. Anyway. I'm going to check during our break. Okay. <laughs> she was carrying two tons of luggage as well as Christmas packages to be sent to the troops in day, Europe. the 11th month. No, it's 1918. Anyway. Okay, well, this is October, so it's a month before. Maybe that's what it is. Um, as the armistice wouldn't be for another several weeks. Okay, armistice day. Yes, okay. There was more than 20 horses as oh, as well as five dogs in the hole. I mm. think Holt. I think mm-hmm. we know how that's going to turn out. Yeah. Well, the I mean, dogs might be okay. Swimming in that cold of water? Uh, yeah, I mean... Horses can swim. Oh, no. they, they can, they, but they would... They would tire. And they Aww. wouldn't... The horses wouldn't be, like, out They're in the open paddocks. and loose. Yeah. yeah. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't have a chance. I mean, I shouldn't get hung up in the animals when... All well, these people, but anyway. The ship departed at 10.10 p.m., three hours behind schedule for what was her last scheduled voyage of 1918. Which also explains why he's... <clears throat> two things are have already explained why he's taking a risk. He already knows the route. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, can get, you can get a little cocky yeah. just that way. Mm-hmm. And now he's three hours behind. Yeah. Come on, gotta make and up he's, some time. And he has troops. That's like, true. I'm going, uh-huh. to, I'm going to guess they're on a firm time... Like they're not. They need to get to such and such. Post like they're, they're or not whatever. like it's not like just show up for the war. <laughs> like whenever it's not like Hello, a fucking. Yeah, I'm here. It's not like a school bus, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm sure they were like, uh, we need to fucking like, we need to go. <laughs> they're not running on your cousins. Uh, is this the line for World War One? <laughs> oh, this is okay. I'm sorry, we're late. So sorry. So traffic was a mess yeah. off the coast of Alaska. Can I tell you? Yeah, you should see the millions of dead bodies piled up on the Jesus. other coast. I'm not even joking. No, about I that. know. I know you're not. There were 353 or 364 people on board. It varies by source, plus the animals. Part of this journey to Vancouver would involve going through the Lynn Canal, the deepest fjord in North America. I didn't even know we had fjords. I didn't in North know America. that either. <laughs> I mean, but why not? I, I wasn't even sure that that was an actual real thing and not you just didn't something think in a are book. Right I don't know. It just sounds like something in a. <laughs> No, I, a I've fjord never, is a real thing. I've never really thought about fjords all that much. A fjord is a thing. However, if you ask me to define it... I don't know what it <laughs> is. Struggle. Yeah, that's why. Is it a house? No, it's like water, but with ice. <laughs> but so, not yeah, like so, here's so, a glass so, of so, fjord. So definitely, it's not, more... <laughs> so definitely not a house either. No. <laughs> Although you could make a house out of ice if it's it stayed cold enough. It's a geographical feature. 
future? We will look that oh, up. Dur- we will look. Yeah. When was the end of uh, World War One, and what is a fjord? We will get back to everybody. <laughs> Who and knows when was, it already? And when did Canada become a country? Yes. <laughs> I think I got that one right. Well, when did they become independent? And uh, and I think I got World World War One right. Okay. Right. We'll we'll take uh, <laughs> we'll take some bets on that. After a boundary dispute between British Columbia and Alaska, a 1903 arbitration ruled that the canal was part of Alaska. And this is also before Alaskan statehood, too. This well is when Alaska is uh, apparently up for grabs in Canada, too, if it's... I got, yeah, yeah, well, mm-hmm. Within the canal, so this is the Lynn Canal, is the Vanderbilt Reef, the top of a 1,000-foot underwater mountain. Wow. Yeah. In 1918, it could be seen 12 feet above the water at low tide. At certain tide, yeah. Yep. But was completely hidden at high wow. tide. And That's and pretty cool. I'm guessing Nicole said in 1918, because now probably sea level rise has changed that. Now you can probably guess. just see it. Or no, Not the, the sea, whole damn thing. No, the sea would rise so that oh, you couldn't you. see it. That's my guess. The Lynn Canal at this point is six and a half miles wide, or about ten and a half kilometers wide, but due to the reef, the main navigation channel was less than half of that at two and a half miles, or four kilometers. The reef was marked with a buoy, but it was unlit and unable to be seen at night. And remember, they're taking off at, or they're launching at like 10 p.m. Yeah, that's not good. The previous year, Canadian Pacific had requested a light to be put Mm -hmm. on the reef, but they were denied due to limited funds in wartime. A light in 19, I can kind of understand mm-hmm. that. It's still pretty new technology. And, and you're, in the, you're sti- on and a buoy? Yeah. But a buoy, a mark, a, a something. Well, they did. They had a buoy. It just wasn't light. Oh, I thought you said that there wasn't a buoy. No, there was a buoy. Oh, okay. The reef was marked with a buoy, okay. but it was unlit, so you okay. couldn't see it at night. Yeah. In the daytime, you could see it, but not in the night. <laughs> I'm making that part up, but I'm assuming that's why Nicole said that you couldn't see it at night. <laughs> The Princess Sophia approached the Vanderbilt Reef at around 2 in the morning local time. And this would be the fall, so there's this is not the land of uh, eternal day or whatever that Alaska, you know, gets land of a thousand suns. No, what is it? What do they call it? The day of eternal <laughs> sunshine. I honestly have no idea. The spotless mind. I don't know what they call it. The, the forever sun. <laughs> Just digging myself in deeper. Yeah, you should probably just keep reading the story. There were two lighthouses nearby. (laughs) (laughs) At Sentinel Island to the south and at Eldred Rock south of Skagway. According to the lighthouse's records at Sentinel, snow began... Oh, snow began to fall at approximately 8.15 a.m. Yep. And continued to fall for nearly 24 hours, stopping at 6.30 a.m. the next day. That means when Princess Sophia left Skagway at 10 p.m., as well as when she was approaching Vanderbilt Reef four hours later, not only was it the middle of the night, but it was snowing. And snowing on the water. Mm -hmm. I have never witnessed that. I don't think I have either. Snow on the water. Should I just keep going? Yes. Okay. There were also wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour. (laughs) You found that funny. I did. Captain Locke, on a schedule and used to sailing in this weather, exactly the two things you just mentioned, ordered that Sophia maintain her speed, navigating using whistles and compasses, as he had for years in these waters. Sophia was traveling at 11 to 12 knots when a safe speed for the conditions would have been around 7 knots. But they so he's had going departed double the speed. three hours late. So we just got back from a break. I, look at oh. that. I was right. 
When did Canada become a country? I July first, eighteen sixty-seven. I said the late eighteen sixties. But when did they gain independence? That's what I was wondering. Well, I think this is. Well, when click Canada. the thing right below that and see if there's any difference. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So July first is Canadian Independence. Well, Day, I knew huh? I knew July first was Canada Day. Mm. That's their Fourth of July. So. Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to continue because my words like vary. <laughs> yes, they do. When I sing it. I looked up fjord, mm-hmm. and I was basically right. A fjord is an inlet of water or an inlet um, surrounded by cliffs or glaciers. Like, mm. So very, very pretty. Yeah, sure. Is what they are. Um, and that's also when I made my epic that no one else will see on Twitter, except for Nicole, who liked it just in the downtime. And I told Nicole, like... So you should have saved, you should have saved that for the broadcast. <laughs> um, that Ford Motor Company should put out a Fjord. A Ford Fjord. And then, but then I'm afraid I couldn't afford a Ford Fjord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those beers are kicking in already. And we have, we've like barely scratched the surface of this. I looked back at Nicole's original email and said that, um, uh, and I apologize, Nicole, I'm using she, her pronouns. I hope that's correct. I apologize if it's not, um, uh, that, that her background's in history, like her education. So, Mm. um, this is, yes, exactly. Right up, right up your alley. So. Um, I, I'm not sure if I said this, so I'm just going to say it again, just in case. Um, so the buoy was unlit. We've been over that. The previous year, Canadian Pacific had requested a light to be put on the reef, but they were denied due to limited funds and more time. The Princess Sophia. Oh, I, we went through this. Yes. Uh, okay. The, but I'm going to say it again anyway. The Princess Sophia approached the Vanderbilt Reef at around two in the morning local time. There were two lighthouses nearby. We talked about that. Sentinel Island to the south and and at Eldred Rock, south of Skagway. According to the lighthouse's records at Sentinel Island, snow began to... Oh, I've totally said all this. I've said this entire paragraph. I'm going to skip over it. So, exactly what you said. He knew the area really... The captain knew the area really well, and they were trying to make up time because Mm -hmm. they left late. They were traveling too fast. Mm -hmm. 11 to 12 knots when a safe speed would have been closer to 7. And everyone's like... Why are you repeating all this? Because we don't edit. Ha ha. Enjoy. At 2.10 a.m. I was kind of wondering when we, but I was just like, <laughs> Well, I didn't that. remember. And I was the one who said it. <laughs> At 2.10 a.m., Princess Sophia struck Vanderbilt Reef, knocking passengers out of their beds. That's true, because it would have been in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. And they were going pretty fast. I mean, they were going at a good for, clip uh, for the time. For the size of yeah. that ship mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would have... <clears throat> jarred people out of bed, yeah. Would have been, like, I mean, it would have been the same as like uh, freaking hitting a, probably like hitting a telephone pole in a car. Like you're gonna jostle. You know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What caused the ship to run aground is unknown, but is generally assumed to be simple error, thinking that the reef was not as close as it was. Sure. The ship's engine went out. Mm. And there was a brief panic before those on board realized that they were not sinking. They were perched on the reef. The un—I oh. know—the unstuck end of the ship, floating in the water, with no engine, no engine, no power. Which basically means you're not getting out of this. Like, how are you? It's the—it's almost <laughs> like the the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal recently. Yes, and I was like, what? But they did get it out. They got yeah. it out, and yeah. it also wasn't. 
it was modern times and not in the middle of the night no. in Alaska in a hundred years ago. So, but, but, but that, that ship affected trade that affected oh, like yeah. billions oh, of oh, dollars of, of trade <laughs> that was, for that era. And became an instant meme. <laughs> yes. That's for sure. By 2.15, word of the incident reached Juno via the wireless transmission. So that was just within five minutes. Attempts to get themselves... And, and by wireless, we're talking about a telegraph. Yes. Not, not a phone. No. <laughs> Certainly not. Attempts to get themselves unstuck were to no avail. Which actually, a telegraph does have wires now that I think. But anyway, but that is what they were... Their Morse code is what they were using then. How did... Um, I'm not going to make myself sound more ignorant <laughs> yeah. than I already am. I was like, wait, there were, telegraph, there were telegraph lines. Radio. Yeah, something like that, sure. Over the wireless. Ham radio. They had a big antenna. I don't know. Somebody stuck a satellite up there somewhere. Oh, that's right. We didn't have those in 1918 either. <laughs> so at 6 a.m., high tide, the Sophia, Sophia was still stuck, but the weather had improved. So they were just stuck there for a few hours, which right now it's not sounding too dire. It isn't. So I'm no. not sure what's about yeah. to happen. A rescue was put into place nearly immediately with both passenger and freight vessels, as well as fishing vessels heading for the stranded ship. No ships in the area were large enough to single-handedly eva- evacuate the Sophia. So so now they're just like racing to get to the ship, I'm guessing, is what it sounds like. The U.S. Army vessel Peterson was the first to arrive at about 9 a.m. with the mailboat Estebeth. Estebeth? Hmm. Following at 10... And the Amy at 1020. These vessels combined had the capacity to hold 385 people, 32 more than were on the Princess Sophia. This is all sounding like a... I don't know what's about to go wrong. By the time these vessels arrived, the passengers were under the impression that they were not in immediate danger. I'm not under the impression they're under immediate danger, except this is a disaster podcast. And those on the Peterson later reported seeing Sophia's passengers meandering around her decks. Some with suitcases, assuming they would be on a rescue ship shortly. Some passengers even complained that they were running low on soft sugar. <laughs> I guess that's what one does in 1918. They were less than three miles or five kilometers from land, and lifeboats were readied for launch. Okay. I don't like where this is going if it's, this ends horribly. Well, I think well, we know it ends horribly. Well, we do. Yeah, nobody so lives. It so it doesn't sound... But how? Yeah. Captain Leonard Locke faced an agonizing decision. The rocks around the ship would be dangerous for lifeboats, and while the weather was improving, it was still not ideal. So it's still snowing at this point. That's right, because it lasted for like 24 hours. He believed that his ship was secure, believed in her double hull that had saved her in two previous groundings. Groundings in general were not uncommon, and the barometric readings indicated that weather would continue to improve. And that's barometric. That's not radar or anything. That's just like reading the pressure Radar's in the air. Radar is not even admitted yet, I don't believe. Rather than begin sending passengers through treacherous waters in tiny lifeboats, Locke chose not to accept the help he was offered and wait for better weather. Reason 5,827 why I can never be in a position of authority. Imagine being faced with a choice like this. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Nicole. That's... Uh, it does seem, pardon the pun, it does seem like it was a rock and a hard place there. You know, like, okay, people can leave, but, like, they could flip be, over in the lifeboat. I think it'd be safer if they stayed on and it we tried to... It sounds like it. Yeah. 
That is what it sounds like. But that's the decision he made, and we know how this mm. turns out, so let's see. In 1904, the Clallam was evacuated in a storm en route to Victoria, and fearing the ship was sinking, the women and children were put in lifeboats. All of the lifeboats capsized, oh. and every one of them, everyone in them drowned. The Clallam remained above... Which, which is something I'm sure he's aware of. Well, that's the thing. The Clallam yeah. remained above water long enough for the others to be evacuated under safer conditions. So, knowledge of this may well have played a part in Locke's decision. Later, it would have come out that he may have had another motivation. Oh, poor uh, harbinger to something in the aftermath section, apparently, mm. according to Nicole. As the day went on, passengers grew restless and frustrated at being able to see the rescue boats, but no actions were being taken to evacuate. Captain Locke instructed the crew to hand out life jackets, his plan being to evacuate at the next high tide at 5 a.m., so almost 24 hours after they ran aground. Well, got caught. Yeah. I think, yeah. Got caught in the reef. They're stuck. They're stuck, yes. Passengers were given rundowns of safety and evacuation procedures to get them off the ship as safely and efficiently as possible. Oh, dear. And then the storm got worse again. Mm. A photo of the Sophia from the 24th shows the smoke that was coming out of the funnel was running perpendicular to the funnel and parallel to the ship. So that means it was just going, Mm -hmm. like coming out and then going immediately at a right angle. Yikes, that's the wind. Mm -hmm. Communicating through megaphones, Locke and the other captains agreed that at this point it was certain death to launch the lifeboats and the passengers should wait for the gale to to die down. Passengers wrote letters, some of them fully understanding gravity of the situation and writing their wills. At 4 p.m., sunset approaching, Captain Locke tells the other ships to seek safety. Approximately two and a half hours later, other ships coming from farther away arrived at the reef. One of them, the King and Winge. <laughs> okay. The King and Winge. That sounds like a, um, a, a hipster bar. The King and Winge. Might be. There's probably one of those in yeah. Austin. Yes. <laughs> Believes that the ship had sunk. The ship sunk at 8.20 p.m. when the lights go out and the wireless communications cease. In the reality, the ship had lost power. At 11.30 p.m., the Princess Alice leaves Vancouver, headed for Juneau to pick up the Sophia's Sophia's evacuated passengers. Oh, boy. So, wait, what day were we on? I thought this was October 12th for some reason. I'm sorry. I'm losing my days. Because this is like an overnight and then another overnight affair. That's what it's sounding like. Yeah. What date is about to come up? October 23rd. Oh, okay. So this is just the next day. So, uh, or the following day, uh, Friday, October 25th. So I think okay. this is the day after. Like they. This is about 48 hours later, it seems like. No. So they left in the very evening of the 23rd. 3rd. Yeah. They struck early on the 24th, but now we're just moving into the 25th. So it's like, so it's like 24 hours later. Well, okay. Uh, overnight is 24 hours later, but. But um, we've changed two days. So that's what I'm saying. It's. It's minimum thirty six hours. We've gone to the twenty from the twenty third to the twenty fifth. No, because but, we're talking at four thirty five a.m. on October twenty fifth. They launched at ten p.m. on the twenty third. So we we haven't even reached thirty six hours yet. Thirty hours. Yes, since they okay. set off, yes. but they didn't oh, run aground uh, for okay. four hours. And like, yeah. I know I'm just I'm just clar- <laughs> I'm clarifying. That's sure. all. 
At 4.35 a.m., so this is on the 25th, the Cedar, one of the ships that had been present the previous day, returned to the reef, joining the King and Winch. Due to the conditions, the planned 5 a.m. evacuation was unable to take place. At 8 a.m., the Sophia's Sophia's, sorry, Sophia's power was restored and she could once again communicate wirelessly. 9 a.m., the Cedar attempted to anchor to evacuate passengers via breaches buoy. And then Nicole said, you'll need to Google this if you want to know what it is. Photos are the best explanation. So I, I did look it up and it, it the photos are really helpful, actually. Um, other phone, maybe? I'm sorry, two phones now. <laughs> This is so confusing. Too many phones. Yes. Okay. This is a, a breach breaches buoy, like breaches, like, like okay. pants, right? Sure. So they, it's like a little life raft that you connect. pull on, yeah. like as little pants, mm-hmm. and then it connects us to connects to a winch, mm-hmm. winch. Yeah. The, the and little, yeah, and to a wire. and a rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you get pulled along. So uh, breaches <clears throat> buoy. <laughs> that sounds very nineteen eighteen. It does. Something very um, necessary for the time. Yes. So that's what they were trying now, to now do. We just, now we just have jet skis. <laughs> that's what they were trying to do, but they were unable to do so. And Captain Locke radioed the captain of the Cedar, telling him to wait for low tide. At 1 p.m., due to worsening weather conditions, the captains of the Cedar and King and Winch conversed with Locke and left the reef. Sunset occurred at 4.47 p.m. So this has been like uh, 36 hours now like um uh, a ground or or stuck mm-hmm. so all right so now we're getting into the bad thing at 4 50 p.m so this is friday october 25th the cedar got a message from the sophia ship foundering on reef come at once captain ledbetter oh, on the cia on the cedar shouted to captain miller on the king and winch quote I am going out there to try to locate him. If the snow should clear up, you come out to relieve me, end quote. Miller answered, quote, I will give you an hour to find them, end quote. At 5.20 p.m., the Cedar got a frantic message from the Sophia's wireless operator, David Robinson. No relation, I'm sure, because the great uh, David Robinson of basketball fame was born many years later. And he also served in the Navy. Oh, did he? Yes, oh, he, did. he does kind of come across as a Navy man, doesn't he? Yeah. He was drafted out of Navy. Oh, oh out of Navy. <laughs> a yeah, literal so Navy to, man. Okay. He went to, yeah, he went to the Naval Academy. Yeah, gotcha. So there's a tie-in. <laughs> so here was the message from not David Robinson, David Robinson. Quote. Not the seven-foot basketball player no. we know. No, not the not the. That spur. I actually saw. I, I saw him two years ago. Oh, okay. From where? When James was here and we went to the Duke game, oh, his, okay. his son was playing for Duke, and okay. I, I got a picture with him and James. I'm sure you've seen it. I guess so. Yeah. And was he like six feet taller than James? <laughs> he he's good? tall as shit. It's I really mean, he's. I think he's like seven one or seven two, something like that. Yeah, he's very tall. Yeah, he stands out in a crowd. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes. A center. No? Yeah, yes. He was a center. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is what the other David Robinson said. Quote. For God's sake, hurry. The water is coming into my room. Mm. End quote. So now they're in trouble, clearly. The cedar replied that they were on their way and told the Sophia to conserve battery power and only transmit to them if absolutely necessary. Robinson replied, quote, I will. You talk to me so I know you're coming. End quote. There were no more messages from Princess Sophia. 
The Cedar attempted to return to Vanderbilt Reef, but was unable to locate the vessel in the water, which had become so bad that the lighthouse could not be seen or heard at just 500 yards or 460 meters away. And it is no good when you can't see a lighthouse no. that close, because the whole point is that you're supposed to is be able to see it. you can't see it from 500 <laughs> from, yards yes. away. Unable to locate the Sophia and fearing for his own crew's lives, Ledbetter made the decision to go back to Sentinel Island. The king and winch blared her horn to guide, guide the cedar to safety. So it sounds like it could have been worse if other decisions had been made in terms of like other ships. There is no way for knowing for no way of knowing for sure exactly what happened to the Sophia, but it is believed that the storm caused water levels to rise enough for the ship to lift up, spin mm-hmm. at nearly 180 degrees, and, and slide sink. off the reef. Mm-hmm. The sh- so it got unstuck, but in the exact wrong well, way. Well, that's what I was thinking when uh, when we got into the bad thing. I'm like, well, the the tide or something's got to loosen it uh, with no power, no. And it, steam, it would just and it would it. just happen naturally. The, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure the tide here goes in and out. I'm like, right. And in a storm. And there's there's a giant hole in the ship from running aground. Gotta be. And it probably well, went through, and it probably went through, anyway. Well, no, it actually sounds like the problem was that it spun and slid off the reef. Mm-hmm. The ship's hulls and, and were, was exposed. The ship's hulls were destroyed while scraping along yep. the rock. Both of them. It had two hulls. It had an inner and an outer. Right. But what I think Nicole is saying is there was no hole when it ran aground. The hole came when it slid. That makes sense, when too. When it dislodged sure, was that makes the sense, problem. too. Mm-hmm. Because whatever it hit took, a, took the chunk that it... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and God. she was pulled into deeper water Jesus where she sank. Christ. Yeah, isn't that horrible? And they ha- they saw all their little rescue ships. Well, that's the thing. They the were, day before, they were hanging out on this thing while it was aground for a day and a half at yeah, least before this happened, and just kind of hanging out, just being like, like, well, okay, we have well, our, we see the rescue ships right there, and, and we have our life jackets on. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I know. Like that. Wow. It is estimated that this process took between 30 and 60 minutes. So, really fast. No one boarded lifeboats. The two wooden ones floated away and the eight steel ones sank. So there weren't even lifeboats to board. The boiler exploded, which killed people below deck. So some people just didn't even die of drowning. The oil that gushed into the water impacted people attempting to swim, and the water was too cold to survive long. Later dives to the wreck revealed a large hole in the double hull. So it sounds like people died from many sources. Hypothermia. um, Drowning. Explosion. Drowning. Fire. Mm -hmm. God. By the morning of the 26th, the wind had Mm. let up some, and the cedar and king and winch, as well as some of the other ships, returned to the reef to discover the foremast of the Princess Sophia sticking up up, above the water. And Nicole said that there are pictures of this, and I think this is what Nicole means. So you can see, oh my god. That's what's left of it. Out of the water, yeah. No kidding. yeah, because it says that is that Princess is, Sophia ten hours after sinking. That is really striking. Oh no, that's that's the Princess Sophia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll look it up. I did that. This was a super quick search, so yeah, probably didn't find what I was looking for. Anyway, they searched for three hours, finding bodies but no living people. 
They recovered the recovered bodies were transported to Juno and bodies washed up on shores for months afterward. Sure. As much as thirty miles north and south of the reef. The watches from those recovered had stopped at five fifty PM. Mm. This is probably when most people died. Many of the remains were so coated in oil they could not be identified until volunteers in Juno scrubbed them with gasoline to remove the oil. Some bodies remained floating in the cabins for months. It was later determined that wireless operator Robinson remained at his post. Nearly 100 people were found below deck in their cabins. Mm -hmm. Because they were just waiting, and they're like hanging out and Mm -hmm. waiting for the rescue. I was like, well, it's coming at some point. A few days after the wreck, one survivor was located on a nearby island, an oil-covered English setter. Oh, a dog. Other recovery operations located children's toys and luggage, as well as two letters. The letter of Jack Maskell, which was found on his body, was printed in newspapers and read in part, quote, The boat might go to pieces, for the force of the waves are terrible, making awful noises on the side of the boat, which is quite has quite a list to port. I made my will this morning, leaving everything to you, my own true love, and I want you to give $100 to my dear mother, $100 to my dear dad, $100 to dear wee Jack, and the balance of my estate to you, Dory dear. The Eagle Lodge will take care of my remains. In danger at sea, Princess Sophia, 24th October, 1918. End Maskell specified below that he should he not survive, he left everything to, quote, my wife who was to be, Miss Dorothy Burgess. End quote. That was his fiancé. Mm. Alaska was left in a state of shock following the news of the sinking. One in ten of the citizens of Dawson in Yukon died in the sinking. Oh my god, 10% of one little town. A statement was issued by Alaska Territorial Governor Thomas Riggs Jr. Quote, Wreck of the Princess Sophia has cast great shadow over all of Northland. Alaska grieves with the Yukon. Quote. The Daily Alaska published or end quote. The Daily Alaska published an editorial that criticized the lack of lighting on the reef and criticized the governments for putting lives at risk to save money. And Sophia was called, quote, quote what? <laughs> sorry, was called the, quote, unknown Titanic of the West Coast, end quote. Sorry, I don't, I've had such a case of the ons today. This is not because of the script. You did very well, Nicole. Um, the princess, the Princess Alice, another CPR vessel, uh, arrived in, that's the Canadian Pacific, arrived in Vancouver to bring bodies to their families. They were surprised to be met by cheering crowds. It was Armistice Day. Oh, okay. World War One was over. No kidding. As you correctly identified. Mm-hmm. The crew of the Princess Alice and the families of the victims solemnly carried the bodies from the ship while the town celebrated around them. Oh, that's so sad. That's, that's like... Like, not that you, like, look, guys, we get it. You're happy. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to, like, harsh your buzz, but we're bringing a bunch of dead people, like, to be recovered and identified and stuff, and that would be really horrible. The families of those lost brought legal action against Canadian Pacific. I think I said that, but I don't think I said that at all before when I said CPR. Anyway, it's Canadian Pacific. But they were unsuccessful. Captain Locke's decision not to evacuate was at the forefront of the litigation with families, as well as a good amount of the public believing that most or all of those on board could have survived. 
I mean, I in retrospect, it's, it's a maybe. Yeah. Probably somebody would have survived. It would have been a better outcome on some level. But what if people had we, died? But we, but in we it? don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it very easily could have turned out exactly how he predicted me like if everybody gets on the like you're all gonna die right or be, most, be flipped over in these life we're better right? off in mm-hmm. where we are now and i'm sh- oh wow that that's a that that yeah that's tough i agree with nicole that like better to just not be in a situation where you need to make decisions like that right well if you're the captain uh, of a, if you're no, the captain of a ship that you are the person in charge of that decision yeah, that's right mm-hmm. that decision's coming at some point yep it was argued by some that Locke refused evacuation from the present ships because some of them were competitors, and Canadian Pacific pressured him into waiting for another CPR steamer to be the rescuer. Quote, if the rescue boats had been Canadian or British, they'd have been allowed to take passengers, end quote, testified a crew member who had been at the scene, quote, but they were American, and that settled it for Captain Locke, end quote. I mean, I feel like that's possible, but it's also highly speculative. Sure. So it's a maybe, but yeah. Well, that's all we have at this it point. It's a bunch of speculation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In 1919, after hearing evidence from those who had been on the scene, the Ministry of Marine, as well as the courts, ruled that Locke's decision, both to uh, both to not reduce speed and to refuse evacuation help, quote, was, or was quote, within the reasonable range of judgment, end quote, and that the ship was, quote, lost through peril of the seas, end quote. Which, I mean... There's a lot. lot. I would say there's probably thousands of shipwrecks out there. Oh, That man. we don't even... Easy, I the, would think. Uh, the ocean, the sea... It's rough. Certain lakes <laughs> are... Water... Mass amounts of water are unforgivable. Yes. They are. Mm-hmm. It's It's a... It's an entity unto itself. And well, we still hear about people lost at sea yeah. constantly. Yeah. In large and small numbers. Yeah. like It just freaking happened with the, yes. the submarine. The, the submarine, and then yeah. there was a, another ship. Like, yeah. it's, that's, it, there's that's, tons. That's, that's something mm-hmm. that's never not going to it's happen. It's a dangerous place. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the time, Captain Ledbetter said that he... Uh, that he had never witnessed conditions that would have made evacuation possible, but for the rest of his life would be would remind people that he was not on the reef the entire time and could not say for certain that such conditions never transpired. And that's another thing. It's possible that at some point it died down enough for them to escape via these lifeboats, but that possibly those rescue ships had already retreated for their own safety. And that's the other thing so, you have. Uh, you have rescue ships mm-hmm. that are already in dangerous territory right doing something doubly dangerous which right. is picking up passengers right mm-hmm. off of another ship nowadays because this is 1918 nowadays that's what we use helicopters for well yes we have different modes yeah <laughs> yes. of rescue you're right you're so, absolutely right mm-hmm. the best well, and different types of ships yes like speedboats icebreakers and, yeah and uh but yeah, th- that's your choice in 1918 if you want to rescue ships, a yeah. ship that's abandoned in the uh, like uh, run aground in the mm-hmm. middle of the water. You're just gonna send out other ships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is gonna get there. Yeah. A car is not going. It's not going there today. Yeah. Not, yeah. Certainly, right. Certainly not in 1918. <laughs> right. But uh, it's just a train. No. <laughs> but the. Yeah. 
just the waiting out. And then all of a sudden... It seemed relatively reasonable to mm -hmm. wait out the bad weather. What couldn't really be anticipated is how bad it would get to the point where it would dislodge the boat and and scrape the hull and cause it to sink. Mm -hmm. Immediately following the loss of the Sophia, the Canadian Pacific Railway Company changed policy to state that when a ship was grounded, the passengers had to be evacuated immediately, no matter the concerns. Now, that seems a little reactionary. Very reactionary. (laughs) There has to be some concerns. Mm. Like, what if the whole island Mm. is, the outer ring of the island that you're around is on fire? Like, you're not going to... Yeah. But you know what I... But, you know. Yeah. It also... A a case-by-case basis is okay, too. Yeah, some judgment. But, yeah, I mean... It also caused... When 300-something people die, like, people overreact. Or people react to the complete opposite. So, yeah. It also caused a revamping of safety and evacuation procedures. Okay. Okay, that's good. (laughs) That's a good reaction to have. And today, Vanderbilt Reef has a navigation beacon, initially installed by the Alaskan government weeks after the sinking. Okay, that's also progress. The loss of the Princess Sophia remains one of the worst shipwrecks of the Pacific Northwest, 102 years after the sinking, but she is largely forgotten. 67 of the bodies, including Jack Maskell's, are buried at the Mountain View Cemetery in Vancouver. To this day, those who haven't forgotten the Sophia still debate the biggest unknown. Could any of them have been saved? Hmm. And that, my friends, was the very well-told story yes. by... Our friend Nicole of the SS Princess Sophia or the sinking of the Princess Yes, Sophia. thank you very much again, Well Nicole. done. That is a... Um, so I am titling this the SS Princess Sophia, but okay. it is also the sinking of this, obviously. Um, that, yeah, that, that is so speculative that I don't think there's any... It's all mon- Monday no morning quarterbacking except yeah. like... 100 years later so no we can't offer any further insight um i mean uh, that's also like i wouldn't say it's impossible that the captain was being weird about like the nationality of the rescue boats but i would say it's highly speculative at best to put that on somebody yeah it sounded really speculative Mm -hmm. not that it couldn't be accurate but I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I question that as well. Like, I kind of feel like it was a little bit smear campaigny, but it, not that it couldn't be accurate again, but well, I don't and, know. and, uh, <laughs> well, let's face it as well. Like, human values weren't the same a hundred years ago as they are today. No. So, who well, knows? And that... risk was assessed differently, yes. too. So, yeah. there was different, different ways to, we, we have matrices now of like rubrics of like if this then that in in mm-hmm. various safety situations. I don't think that's what they were working with in 1918. So and and in the middle of a war and probably part of why like Nicole was saying that this is largely forgotten is it was overshadowed. Like, it was overshadowed by it, was it sounds like Armistice Day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. By the end of I mean it's yeah. Wow. Let's just hope James Cameron never makes a film out of this, because it'll be obnoxious and come out on my birthday. He'd call it Titanic 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. No, I wasn't going to throw that in. <laughs> but that's... Uh, <coughs> wow, that's You know what? But it, it would make for... It 
if somebody did it right, it would make for a pretty compelling movie. It's, well, like, the whole time, because I actually am glad that Nicole didn't give it away right off the top, because I was like, what the fuck is happening? It sounds like they've got it under control. Mm -hmm. This is one of those rare stories of, like, it kind of seems like everything was cool until Until it it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, and then it went to horribly. Then it went south pretty fucking fast. Yes. Like, in less than an hour. Yes. Uh, really badly, really quickly, and that that's just terrifying. Um, and oh, that's the thing, like people writing their wills, because oh, that's that's so tough. Mm-hmm. Like you see it coming. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah. This story was uh, <clears throat> something fascinating, and but and again, again, uh, again, uh, yes, but again, like uh, of the many stories we've done, I kind of wish I never knew about. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we'll forget no. about it like we do every other that's, this that's is true we are in our 200s no. now and, and i say that you know being facetious i i very much enjoy learning about all these disasters but sometimes it's just like they're tough hmm? that's the whole point yeah i think that is and that's why we banter yes and that's is. why we drink it's definitely why we drink mm. so that was the sinking of the princess sophia Mm-hmm. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>